Hello and good afternoon, Dr. Darshana. It is such a pleasure for me to be here and introducing you to the world on such a podium. I am Nadia. I am from Zen Onco, and it is an honor for me to have you on this knowledge sharing session here today. Uh, to introduce Zen Onco and Love Heals Cancer, we guide cancer patients with a treatment journey with an integrative oncological approach, right? And today's session is going to be spreading all that kind of awareness, that kind of educating cancer patients in the best way possible. And we have a celebrity with us today who is going to be, you know, explaining things to us in the, in the best way. She is Dr. Darshana Thakkar, and she is a consultant gynecologist and obstetrician since 1989. So the kind of experience she has is immense, right? Uh, Ma'am is a very compassionate clinician. She's a skillful surgeon and a very creative soul. Aspiring writer, amateur photographer, entrepreneur. She's got so many, so many titles to her name. And it is just an honor for me to be having this chance to talk to her about this session, right? She's also the founder and manager trustee of Sparsh Foundation, a charity trust founder of Health Cafe, a virtual concept for healthcare education, emotional health management consultant at Amrita's Health Cafe. She's a motivational speaker, a social entrepreneur, an internationally licensed heal your life teacher. Wow. <laughs> is, and, and the list goes on. Uh, it is based on Louis Hay's philosophy. And we will be going into all of this, all these topics very well with ma'am. She is also a director of uh, Surgeon Communication, also established in 1998, and director of Development Quest Foundation, co-foundation of NARI, an organization launched in 2010 to educate and empower women for healthy lifestyle. Right, ma'am? She is also featured in the 2017 volume of Inspiring Stories. Wow, and successful personalities. It's amazing, ma'am. I am so amazed at your profile right now. <laughs> and it's my pleasure to be talking to you on this call. Not a lot of people will get to, you know, talk to you and, you know. Thank you so much, so much ma'am. So let's go into the Q&A session that we have decided. No. Yes. Yes, ma'am. All right. So coming to my first question today, uh, to you, ma'am, um, when, it, when it comes to uh, the female reproductive system, the anatomy of how it works and the uh, physiology, pathology of how it works, what are your thoughts? What are your inputs on it? How would we introduce it to the world out there? Uh, basically, if I talk of uh, reproductive system and how does it work it's all about i would say going back to the uh, school days of fifth and seventh standards so uh, when we are in schools <coughs> most of the time either students put it on the option board or the science teachers puts it on the option board uh, that without this lesson we'll pass we'll have passing marks so I always used to say that when it comes to that one chapter in that book and the chapters in the human life, in family life, these are the two important places where we can learn about its functions. If I name it with the scientific nomenclature, every woman, provided there is no manufacturing defect, which we call it as continental anomaly, oh my. for a normal, healthy woman, 
well by crafted by god has one uterus two ovaries two fallopian tube and the vagina is part of reproductive system now the uterus is a bag of muscle which is a fist size and there is a hollow space inside which is called an endometrial cavity and on the side of this uterus there are two ovaries left and right which is an almond shape and almond size these ovaries are gifted the female eggs which we doctors call it as an ovum or ovulation is the term which society knows so the number of female egg in both ovaries are been fixed and designed by nature when the daughter is inside mother's womb and those numbers can never be changed the fallopian tube is connecting the uterus to the ovary the ovarian end is hanging loose which we call it as a fimbrial end that picks up the released ovum and the tube whereas the vagina is the lowermost portion and the cervix lies there which is lower part of the uterus and we will talk about the reproductive systems cancer as we go into the q and a session but saying it in brief as the name says reproductive system the system is helping us survive as species and reproduce human beings and for that this are the female structural part and the functional part or physiological part also includes the ovarian hypothalamus pituitary ovarian axis which is with the chemicals known as hormones estrogen progesterone and much more so that's in brief if somebody has to know that hey what does comprise the female reproductive system mm. wow so brief and precise wow okay so talking about symptoms when it comes to this reproductive system that you just spoke about the symptoms that okay something could be wrong something has happened how even as a female myself uh what do i look out for what are the signs that i could look out for see there are two different coins uh, coin terms signs and symptoms symptoms are something what a person notices sign is something which we doctor will find it out whether through from the clinical examination or otherwise so symptoms ya chinna jinko bola ja sakta hai the symptoms that a woman or a girl or a grandma need to be aware is any kind of unusual bleeding other than regular periods intermenstrual bleed is one thing which needs to be taken care with a serious note especially when it is happening again and again second post menopausal bleeding we call it as pmb menopause is when a woman stops having a period for 12 consecutive months and after that if she starts having bleeding again that is a alarming sign for a woman who is in reproductive age of a childbearing age from menarche to menopause when she is having a periods and if she has post coital bleeding meaning there by after sexual intercourse if she starts having bleeding that is an alarming sign this is about something which is alarming into the area of cervix which is the lowermost part of the uterus if we talk of uterine cancer or uterine pathology there can be again intermenstrual bleeding pain in abdomen and when we go to ultrasound we may find thick endometrium and so on but as far as symptoms go this was about uterus and cervix 
And if you move to the other set of organ ovaries, the ovaries can give pain in abdomen if it gets enlarged or forms a cyst in it. If it gives uh, cancerous uh, changes into it, that also can lead to uh, pain in abdomen, intermenstrual bleeding in connection with the hormonal disturbances and so on. If we go to the fallopian tube, the cancer of fallopian tube is not as common as it is for the cervix. The cervix and breast, these are two important killer cancer for women in India and of course across the globe. So these are the signs and symptoms and if somebody has got on and off foul smelling discharge from vagina, that is also quite alarming. These are the signs one should not ignore in context to cancer of reproductive system. You are mute, you need to unmute. Right. When you were talking about discharge, ma'am, uh, what exactly uh, should we be looking for? Because there is vaginal discharge with this normal... There are two kinds of discharge. One is watery discharge. That's a transparent feel and look like a watery discharge, which can be periobulatory, meaning thereby it is impact of normal hormonal cycle. And that happens in the mid-cycle during the part of ovulation. Ovulation is releasing an egg from ovary and that's a prerequisite to become pregnant. And at the same time, God has a designed way of working that in vagina, there is a viscous fluid coming out under the impact of those hormones. That is normal fluid discharge, which looks like watery, but a little thick and viscous. Nothing is to be done for that. But the alarming signal to be considered in case of discharge, that is too much of foul smell, it may be blood stain, it may be yellowish in color. This usually happens in case of cervical erosion, means if the cervix has got an inflammatory area or erosion there, or there is a growth coming up with the advanced stage of cancer and the necrosis tissue come out in bits and pieces. These are the discharges and the different variety which needs to be addressed with a serious note. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, when it comes to Hello? Yeah. When it comes to yes. um, the, once the diagnosis of a woman is being done and she realizes, okay, she has cancer, what now? What can be done to handle it in the best uh, way? I see three things happening with the diagnosis of cancer. One, the question, why to me? Two, what is to be done next? And three, will I survive? These are three common questions the woman or family members can have. And if as a gynecologist uh, practicing for 23 years, if I share my experience, breaking a diagnosis is a very, very tricky art. I personally believe that the person who is affected need to know the diagnosis, connecting them well on compassionate level of emotional history taking, giving them that Faith and trust into medicine, into Almighty and the treating doctor makes a lot of sense. And when it comes to the health economics, they need to know different kind of options available for their management. And when we talk to them about management option, it includes available therapy, available places for getting treatment and the different kind of expenditure involved in this kind of therapy at various places. When we guide them with the clear instruction, the clarity of information, 
and the concise information, it will help them a lot to come to a decision. Right. So you're talking about a very multidisciplinary approach here. Always, always. How because is that helping? If, yeah. if we talk about, say, the basic screening test for cervical cancer, smear, the pap smear is a test which has been done since many, many years, even in government system. But unfortunately, if you look at the Indian population, the pap smear screening is not even crossing 10% amongst rural women. And if you go to urban or rural, the difference is very less. Say out of 10 rural women, if you ask them whether you have got a pap done or not, hardly you will get one, two or three women. Where is it been available free of cost under the National Cancer Control Program, NCCP, that started in year 1975. My God, those are... But the societal conditioning is, I don't have any complaint, why to go to a doctor? So the second thing is, if we look at the rural setup and the urban setup, the urban setup has a little higher level of use of health checkup profiles. And that ratio is between 10 to 15% in various places to get the pap smear done, which is a screening test. This test can pick up the diagnosis of cervical cancer even before it starts actually as a cancer, meaning thereby it can pick up the pre-cancerous condition. Right now. now, what next comes next, I will say. But breaking the diagnosis or declaring the diagnosis and when I get a pap smear, malignant cells there. I need to be comfortable first to talk about it as a healthcare provider. The healthcare provider must be well equipped with the current knowledge of management, therapy and options. And the family member also need to be taken into confidence because ultimately it is just not one diagnosis or one referral to the gynecologist, but it's a series of multidisciplinary approach. How? I'll tell you in brief. One, if as a practicing gynecologist, I could get a pap smear test positive of my patient, I immediately need to explain them. And in my office, I used to talk to them with all the visuals. Body part is affected and what is to be done. So a proper counseling is one, which is at my end. Number two, what is the probable stage of this patient, whether this seems to be CIN, means the cervical intraepithelial neoplasia, or on clinical finding or on sonography finding, we can always come to know more about the disease prey. So the second discipline that needs to be involved is imaging science, and that is radiologist. They will perform ultrasound, they may get done CT scan or MRI in cases when needed. Number three, if it's a well-spread disease and if it requires an oncosurgeon to take lymph node sampling, then in my surgery, my operation theater surgery process for that patient, we have to have that teammate of an onco part. So it's a one more part. If that patient goes well during surgery, after that, the specimen which was sent to the laboratory one more discipline added is a pathologist to give us the correct diagnosis of staging, which is PNM staging. 
And when that diagnosis comes, we decide together whether this patient will need a chemotherapy or radiotherapy or both. And there comes two more disciplines inside. One is oncologist, oncophysician to give chemo and a radio-oncologist who will give radiotherapy. And throughout this, the constant companion first clinically treating person is a gynecologist, the family members, and a nutritionist. They are part of this team. So I guess it's more than a dozen people <laughs> who can put cumulative effort for that patient to sail through the journey of cancer with much more hope, faith, and trust. Wow. What a team effort that is being put in here. Yes. Absolute team effort that brings out the best in the patient and the treatment treatment outcome, I suppose. Yeah, and as I said, it's been a team number that is required <laughs> there to win the game. Winning the game. Wow, the way you put it, you, you, you like challenges, I suppose. Yes. Yes. Very much, very much. Uh, Ma'am, coming to a rare case in your experience, you've been a gynecologist for so many years. Share with us one rare case that really challenged you as a gynecologist in your career. Yeah, there may be more than one, but uh, yes, to, yes, definitely. I would love to hear. Point, uh, the one that comes to me at this point of time in my mind is. Uh, a senior citizen, elderly woman aged around 69 years, who was, of course, menopausal for more than 15 years and was visiting a physician for her heart problem. Because she was hypertensive, she was diabetic, she was asthmatic. So while she went to the doctor for regular checkup, she also complained of pain in abdomen. She was prescribed all required therapy for her asthma, blood pressure and diabetes, which was unfortunately not so well controlled. So physician on his general examination found a little examination. So he said in advice that you need to get sonography of abdomen done. The woman goes home with that added therapy of asthma and everything to settle down. She started feeling better and she just thought that this abdominal pain may be due to cough and asthma that I was having and that is subsiding and my abdominal pain will go away. So that requisite cheat for ultrasound, she just threw away. She never went for ultrasound. After a couple of months when she went to physician again and she said, I'm breathless, I have pain in abdomen and I have spotting, bleeding a bit per vagina. And it's difficult for me to take easy breath. So doctor asked, where is the report? She said, I haven't got it done. And then with fever 102, she reported to my hospital. The blood sugar level was 374, 102 fever. On basic ultrasound, there was a lot of color Doppler. There was a lot of disturbance with huge ovary and it was suspicious to have malignancy. So then we went ahead for radiology diagnosis with MRI abdomen pelvis. There were a lot of adhesions of that large ovary to the adjacent organs. And even to operate, I had two major challenges. Her diabetes was uncontrolled 
and the second challenge was her chest cavity and the rib cage had collection of fluid what we call it as pleural effusion that could have been the secondary major effect of this then we got her other investigation to rule it out whether the possible ovarian malignancy has caused any kind of metastasis or not and then we did a laparotomy of that patient after about a week when all other comorbidity got settled she did well after surgery for i would say more than 10 years a happy survivor but a lesson for the society to be learned here on such educational series is when your doctor advises you some test do not ignore don't be your own doctor if you are in dilemma speak to them and get the guidance rather than skipping the investigation and when it comes to management the multidisciplinary approach is something which every healthcare provider needs to cultivate ma'am you are, you have said it so well like i think it is more of a psychological thing that she just put it aside like no i living in denial part yeah yeah denial part resistance i always used to say it's an internal resistance that if i go to a doctor and will get the test there is something which may come up yes so i might as well avoid it hiding so it's putting under the carpet nothing else <laughs> and then you <laughs> give time to the organ to damage your body more i mean how much are you going to put your body through yeah because it's free of cost we don't have a price tag like a luxury car that the car is been costing 27 lakh or 77 <laughs> lakh and we have been so sure about getting it serviced every that has been advised but when a doctor tells you to go for investigation the god has forgotten to put the price tag so we don't value it much at times the way you have put it is <laughs> i understand ma'am i understand you must have been seen so much so yeah <laughs> yeah ma'am uh, coming to the myths you were talking about myths stigmas everything that's attached to the minute i hear oh my god i have something like cancer my world has ended what would you have to say so the first myth is cancer means cancel it's not about the cancel the check of life it's a promissory note and which you can convert it into a celebrating note if you get it diagnosed and if you get it treated well there are many more myths related to cancer that sometimes people say that hey can cancer be contagious or infectious uh, one member in the family and then can we live in the same home can we use the same bathroom those kind of uh, myths still prevails in the society in some sect the second important myth people have is uh whether it can run in the family or not and as far as female cancers concerned uh, we can say that science has now proven data to say that the cancer breast gives higher chance of having cancer breast to the next generation or in the family meaning thereby if a woman has got a cancer of breast we always take history if the maternal family maternal side family has it or not and if the patient has got daughters how frequently they need to be tested or screened of such families and they can be guided so breast and genetics yes they may go hand in hand uh, 
cervix and uterus, not always, need not to be running in the family. Ovary, yes, if somebody is having it, the next generation need to be a little more cautious. But to be cautious is nothing but regular interval screening. At least once in a year, go to your gynecologist, even if you don't have any complaint. It's better to be checked rather than feel sorry with the advanced stage of cancer when it comes to you. Because the way we started talking earlier at the start of the program, that the symptoms that comes to patient and when they become aware that, hey, I might be having something, is much at a later and advanced stage of cancer when you reach to your doctor. So even before screening tests like mammography for breast, pap smear for cervix, they can save many lives. If that can be picked. Amazing, amazing. So well put, ma'am. So well put. Right. So coming to my next question, in these times of COVID, um, for a cancer patient in general, how do we keep, what are the things we keep in mind in such a situation where disease... Corona and cancer also has a lot many myths that the patient having cancer can easily catch up corona or a person who has got chemo recently can also have high chances of acquiring corona. It's been too early to say anything about that as it's a new disease for us. Corona and data will take some more time to come up. But yes, those with chemotherapy and on the immunosuppressed status, they may otherwise have little higher chances of acquiring uh, corona. Essentially not. If they protect themselves well, stay at home and take care. Yes, ma'am. Right. Also, coming to your social entrepreneur side, because I read so much about that and I was fascinated by the Louis Hay philosophy. Uh, could you please talk to us about that? Oh, yeah, that's a subject close to my heart because in last more than two decades of my practice as a consultant OBGYN, I always felt that many a times, and as I'm in a branch, which is kind of a social branch to deal with families while they celebrate the birth of newborn or women's health, wherein most of the time in India, the women are not decision maker and the family has to decide what sort of therapy and where. So I always used to say that it's a social branch for us. And the emotional aspect of anybody's health has direct connect to the physical health. That I learned from the philosophy of Louis Hay with much deeper understanding. Simply giving an example of a backache or menopausal symptoms of insomnia or crying spells, when you go deep down with emotional history taking, there may be some suppressed emotion that gets manifested as bodily problem. So same stands true for cancer. And what you asked me, that once somebody has got a diagnosis of cancer, what next? There also comes the role of compassion and emotion. So the way you guys at Zenonko says love heals cancer, Louis Hay said love is the miracle cure. Right. Louis Hay caught up with cervical cancer in 1980 and she started working on emotions of her own. And she worked a lot at deeper level on emotional release and could conquer the cancer 
and she lived up to 30th August 2017. That comes to 37 years post-cancer. So Louise philosophy has tremendous impact if someone is ready to believe in that philosophy. And the philosophy is based on, it's safe to look within, be aware of your emotions, identify them, it's okay to feel the emotion, express them and release them. That is how if you are entangled into the suppressed emotion that is damaging each single cell of your body, start talking to them, befriend and sort it out. So Louise's uh, philosophy has been uh, titled Heal Your Life, which is also compiled as a book in more than 15 languages across the globe. So I keep offering such sessions one-on-one -on -one and to the group and to the cancer survival group that we run. So this is a philosophy that takes you through the mind-body connect pattern and the possible thinking pattern or emotional pattern. And she gives an affirmation to overcome those limiting beliefs. So the crux of the story is if you can change your thinking pattern, you can change your disease pattern. If you can change your belief system, you can change your life. It's all in the mind. I guess it's all in the mind. Yeah, so, it's all in the mind. So you've been such an entrepreneur and this compassionate clinician since so many years. And in your field of healing, with so much of experience, ma'am, I would only say that you are such, at such a level where you have seen so much that you have come to understand the humane side of it. Oh, yes. Lucky to be one. Because when we talk to doctors, they are very scientific and very technical. And they most of the time tend to leave aside that, okay, I am treating a human being here. <laughs> I personally believe that the science and spirituality goes hand in hand. Mind and body goes hand in hand. So stands true for a healthcare provider. That being a gynecologist, my speciality work is OBGYN. But I need to go back to that basics of clinical practice uh, wherein the general examination also plays a part wherein I also need to be a counselor I also need to be a person who can give that assurance that hey I'm there with you and that suffice so so it's not all of the patients it truly not to see the patient as an object or knowing them by the number of the file or the case number it's all about knowing them by their name and much beyond that, looking into their eyes and connecting and then reaching to their hearts, always, always help them heal faster. Wow. I yeah. mean, there should be more people like you, ma'am, because in my experience as well, um, you go to a doctor, you are given a prescription, you say what you have to say and then you leave. But you are doing so much more than the, just that. You're going 10 steps so ahead. that is my practice. My practice pattern is that every prescription has got an affirmation. Yes, yes. And I make sure that the medicine need goes minimum. And when they come to my office, it doesn't look like even a hospital. It should give them a feel of being at a place that gives and radiates peace and joy. So uh, a shorter prescription, a little longer counseling, making them understand and helping them connect to their own heart and helping them look within because you know digging out your deep down emotions can also be painful so when patients even of cancer 
when they travel within and try to find out quite a lot of suppressed emotion it gives them a huge downfall and then they need someone to hold them and that kind of hand holding we all made bizen onko made this perch foundation or surgeon healthcare everywhere we can do that in bits and pieces and i'm sure that with the divine orchestration many such scattered activities come together and can have huge impact to nurture happy healthy society always for the greater good right yes always for the greater good also uh, ma'am you have so many titles to your name a writer a photographer uh, so many titles like these how has that helped in you being the kind in your uh, gynecology department uh yeah that's an interesting question and thank you for asking that all in all if you ask me photography how does it help me photography happened to be my passion and of course i am an amateur photographer but i tried to come up with a publication of my own title kudrat ane kalam oh, that wow. is all about my photography of nature and the wow. thoughts along with those moments or those pictures in context to the messages of life that i publish so that's how i could reach out photography in my practice if someone asked me the most important usage i could make it is picturizing all births at my hospital every single child born at goes home with a wonderful color photograph album to carry as memories to cherish wow and when other uh, hospital set up they struggle to make their patient move around and take a turn or uh, stand up and walk my photography made it easy you know how uh, the bedside wall of the patient's bed within 4 hours of birth we create a color photo gallery on that wall where there is a beautiful soft board so any mother would love to see her child's photograph of birth i need not to say that you need to turn lateral left or right she will by default turn and she will by default become ambulatory and i keep putting photograph to different places in the room in 48 hours of the stay so that's how photography has helped me for their faster healing creating memories for them and the third important aspect is when patient is under general anesthesia and when they come back to the senses and when they go home on day 3 4 or 5 after cancer surgery showing them the complete steps of surgery which i showed them as illustration before now they see the real pictures and that connectivity and helping them that hey see the complete thing is removed and now you are safe and protected that itself enhances their enthusiasm joy for life ma'am you are the example of integrative oncology you're using both <laughs> right there i can even in your explanation you're touching patient so well and at the same time you're using your experience as a doctor to do the best for them it is just amazing you are an example one of the best examples of integrative oncology Lord. and how how has it helped you in curing the patient and healing the patient i'll say you two things that we treat them the divine power cures them yeah <laughs> i cut them when they are on operation theater and the divine power heals them so i would never be saying that i am a healer hmm. or i am in curing but yes i am blessed to be an instrument of god out of my learning of science 
and applying my compassion and putting all my heart into it. So whenever I've been using knife or a pen to prescribe, I used to say that on my fingertips, the divine power takes charge. And medicine has one simple dictum, do no harm. So yeah. when I say I'm at the God's disposal, putting all my sincere efforts and being there with the patient, automatically they start healing themselves faster. It is, it is uh, part of it has got something to do with the patient as well. Everything yes. doesn't lie within the hands of the doctor. Never, never. The, the we doctor, are never uh, saying uh, we had never been God. We are knowing, never going to be God. Don't make us God. We are still human beings and the faith and trust is the bond between us. Let us serve the best. You deserve the best and the outcome that comes is nothing but a divine orchestration. Amazing. It's divine orchestration. What what a terminology. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that phrase when I <laughs> what a terminology. <laughs> Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you so much for being with us today, for taking the time out from your busy schedule. And it is my honor to have this chance, you know, to be to to be able to talk to you like this and take this time out Thank and answer. So I, I hope Thank the viewers watching this video are going to be benefited so much from their understanding. Let us hope so. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it is Thank definitely you for part of this journey, and I wish this Anamko team, Dimple Kishan, and everyone there to help millions of people in years to come. Any time, uh, may this synergy and the effort help larger population. We are all moving forward to that, ma'am. Yes, your inspirational works have always been our guidance. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, bye, pleasure. Bye. bye. Have a great day ahead. Bye, ma'am.